0: A couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to return to the place where I grew up, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, for the first time in many years. I was only there for a day, but in that time, I was able to visit the street where the house that I lived in for almost 10 years used to be, though it had since been torn down along with two other houses on the block. I walked around the grounds of the elementary school I attended and drove by my junior high and high school. I visited the park that my friend and I used to ride our Stingray bikes to on many summer days. I went to the main public library, both old and new locations. Much has changed there since the flooding. And I went to the church my family attended most every Sunday through all of my childhood. First Lutheran Church, in its original location, in the heart of the city, as it now says on their website. Certainly, I expected this day-long trip to be a nostalgic journey. I expected waves of delight and wistfulness and fond memories and sentimentality and some measure of sadness and an acute awareness of growing old, all that good stuff. (laughs) And somehow... Still, I was not prepared for what happened when I opened the glass door from the street, pleasantly surprised to find it unlocked. Walked up the steps to the foyer, and in the quiet, with only the sound of my footsteps, guessing that any people present in the church were in the offices at the other end of a hallway, I opened a wooden door and entered the sanctuary. Looking up at the circular stained glass window over the chancel, the very same one I saw most every Sunday as a child, Jesus, arms outstretched, palms up, seeming to welcome one into this place, I felt what? I was moved. Moved in a way I had not expected. But it was not simple nostalgia. It was a feeling of connection. (laughs) Okay, you are thinking, this is when he comes out as the undercover Lutheran he has always been. (laughs) It was bound to happen. (laughs) No. And I think that's what possibly surprised me about the feeling of connection. Was I really still connected to this church of my childhood? Certainly, my journey has taken me to a different place theologically than was taught and is taught in that church. I don't think my current credo would necessarily be welcome in that pulpit. And yet, that congregation held me. It, they, gave me a sense of belonging. They encouraged me, maybe sometimes in spite of themselves, to engage my search for truth. Because they led me to believe that what happened there in that church... And what happens in churches and congregations and temples and mosques and societies and sanghas and gatherings of any kind where people grapple with the big questions and wrestle with the possible answers and tangle with the web of ramifications that result from how we live and what we believe and who we are and who we are called to be. They led me to believe that what happened there and by extension what happens in all such places matters. It matters. And because it matters, it cannot just be, as the president of the Unitarian Universalist Association, the Reverend Susan Frederick Gray puts it, it cannot just be a casual faith. It must enter into the very marrow of my bones and the depths of my heart and inspire my actions not only on the front lines of a struggle but in the less than special occurrences of the everyday Be ours a religion that like sunshine goes everywhere, says Unitarian minister Theodore Parker from the pages of our history. I felt such a connection to that church of my childhood because however different my present theology might be from what was taught there, they were first to help me confirm my growing suspicion that indeed we live not by things, but by the meanings of things. And there were people, there was a community that was willing to engage with me as a child, as a youth, on that level. The meaning of things. And while I may not have taken away the specific interpretations that they intended for me to carry with me, I, like Alice Walker, often ponder the exchange itself. The exchange on matters of meaning is a connection from my experience in that congregation to my experience in this one. And that exchange provides a framework on which I can lean. It is not advisable to lean into things. Things can easily snap, break, deflate, crumble, disappear, and I will end up on the floor. But I can lean into the meaning of things without fear of falling. Even without definitive answers, I can lean into the free and responsible search for truth and meaning. I can lean into a community that is willing to engage the big questions together and to invite me into the exchange of insights and reflections and joys and sorrows and concerns and commitments. Preparing for this service and reading the Alice Walker poem again and listening to Lean on Me led me to think about the value of leaning, All too often I find myself sitting, (laughs) as much of my work happens in that posture. Sitting, but not truly sitting. I am sitting as if I do not fully trust the chair. I am sitting as if I must depart at any point, even if I have no reason to think that is true. I am sometimes sitting on the edge of the chair, my feet in a posture that will allow me to stand in a hurry, my back never quite touching the backrest. I am not relaxed. I am poised to address an unnamed something. Laying in bed sometimes, I will notice my muscles still tense. Almost as if, though reclining, I am also attempting, against all reason and capability, to hold myself about an inch above the mattress, ready to jump up and address an unnamed something. Hesitating to fully give myself over to rest, seemingly worried that my full weight will prove the bed frame unworthy. Now, you may think I should save all this stuff for my therapist. But aside from my own personal issues, I can't help but think these are more generalized symptoms of our times. I can't help but think that some of you may experience, if not these particular things, some other manifestations of stress that make it very hard for us to lean in to anything, to lean on anything. So many things have crumbled beneath our weight. So much has proved to be unstable and unreliable. So much has been destroyed. We do not trust that we will be held. And all too often, we imagine that this kind of stress is somehow unique to adults. And we romanticize those carefree days of childhood. That is not my experience of childhood. It is not stress free. Far from it. Believe me, our children are experiencing stress, and they have worries, and their fears are real, and they know what's going on as much as any of us know what's going on, and they are quickly learning the untrustworthy nature of things, and they are hungry, whether they articulate it this way or not, they are hungry to engage not with things, but with the meaning of things and they want to and they need to and they deserve to lean into this community to lean into what we offer here to know that for each child that's born a morning star rises and sings to the universe who you are and that one can lean into the image of that morning star To know that we affirm and promote the inherent worth and dignity of every person and that one can lean into that affirmation knowing nothing need be done to earn that worth and dignity but that one can always choose how to express it in the world. To know that we affirm and promote acceptance of one another and encouragement to spiritual growth in our congregations and that one can lean into that acceptance and encouragement with complete trust. To know that our mission is to deepen connections by inspiring joy and that one can lean into that joy even when one's heart is breaking for all we cannot save. To know that in our child dedications we dedicate you in the love of your parents in the caring of this congregation, and in the larger love that transcends all our understanding, and that one need not hesitate to lean into that love, even and especially when one is feeling alone and isolated. What we teach is important, yes, and I delight in the details of our history and in the particulars of our principles and practices, and in the articulation of our identity to the wider community, but in the words of Unitarian minister William Ellery Channing from the pages of our history, the great end in religious instruction is not to stamp our minds upon the young, but to stir up their own. Not to make them see with our eyes, but to look inquiringly and steadily with their own. Not to give them a definite amount of knowledge, but to inspire a fervent love of truth. Not to form an outward regularity, but to touch inward springs. I love that. Not to bind them by ineradicable prejudices to our particular sect or peculiar notions but to prepare them for impartial conscientious judging of whatever subjects may be offered to their decision. Not to burden the memory, but to quicken and strengthen the power of thought. Not to impose religion upon them in the form of arbitrary rules, but to awaken the conscience, the moral discernment. In a word, the great end is to awaken the soul to excite and cherish spiritual life. Yes, Reverend Channing, and to transmit what passwords we have from generation to generation, knowing that our children will generate some passwords of their own, to assure them that we live not by things which are often untrustworthy, but by the meanings of things and that we can lean into this truth. What we teach is important, yes, but what I think, (coughs) what I hope our children will most remember is that they belonged here, that they were held respectfully and faithfully by this community. I hope they come away with a sense that what we do here matters. As they live into the meaning of things throughout their lives, may they continue to ponder the exchanges that took place here. As they experience inevitable disappointments, sorrows, and challenges, may they remember that they have been provided something into which they can lean, not only in their childhoods but throughout their lives. To these young lives we dedicate community, we co-create a space in which the spirit's free to explore all that each can be. May we be worthy guardians of these young lives among us. May we build a community in which they will grow old, surrounded by beauty, embraced by love, and cradled in the arms of peace.